What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath, sports card collector. This is a podcast about such. We discuss what's on our minds. We curate other collectors' ideas, stories to make sure, first and foremost, we are elevating the position of the collector in the damn hobby. Another one coming at you. Another podcast in the can as we do it over here. I'm more fired up than I ever have been before because there is so much passion and energy around what we're doing here in the hobby, collecting sports cards. Let's just do this, get right in. I want to say from the top, I put a question out earlier this past week, sometime, I lose track of days. Any parent out there loses track of days. I know that. I am. Uh, my head is spinning, running around, chasing a toddler. Number two in the, on the way in October. It's awesome. I love it, but I can't keep track of time worth a damn. But we are going to be talking about some trials, tribulations, just challenges in general from the community. Um, did some work synthesizing some data down to talk about those topics and potential solutions. But before we do that, I just want to say I am feeling really good. I've been on a, a concert stretch recently. I love to get out. I love to see shows, my favorite bands. And we've been on a doozy recently. And kind of our stretch was capped off. We did a little jot down to Louisville. Always have fun in Louisville. Shout out Louisville. Every time I'm in that city, I have a good time. Visited the Louisville Palace. Have seen shows there before. Amazing venue. Really enjoyed it. We saw Goose. They rocked, man. That band just kicks ass. They were so much fun. Um, it was a quick trip. It's close to Indy, so it's easy to get down there. Saw a band that was on my list, and I got to tell you, I will be going to plenty more shows. Just so much positivity, so much energy. The guitars were amazing. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that show. And I record this on the weekend. It's hot here in Indy. I'm going to be watching Forbidden Door this this evening. It'll be completed on the other side when this episode drops. A little AEW New Japan pro wrestling action. Mostly good card, a lot of action. But man, Okada, the Rainmaker versus Brian Danielson. That's what I'm looking forward to. Two of the best to do it. I'm a pro wrestling degenerate. I love it, but excited to consume that. There's a lot on my mind. First, I want to thank my man, Curtis, 90s kid card collector, former guest on the show. Just a good brother. He sent me a nice note, sent me a card. Meant a lot. So, Curtis, I know you're probably out there listening, loyal listener. I just want to say, spend a second and just say, I do appreciate you and appreciate everyone who tunes in, shows some love, and feels the energy and passion of what I'm doing over here. I also want to say, I got a card in the mail this past week that made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. We all get those, you know, you, you see it, you buy it, it comes. And sometimes it's like, you know what, this 
this is this wasn't what I was expecting. And you kind of kid yourself. You're like, yeah, it's okay. And then you end up selling the thing. I got a card in the mail that the moment I saw it listed, I smashed Ben so aggressively. The aggressive Ben was just, I mean, my finger still, still hurts from it. But it was one of those things where it was a new car, new product. I didn't need to look at like comps or if anyone, another one had sold because it just felt right to me. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just see something, the price seems right. And you're like, you know what? That's what I'd pay for it. And there was a make an offer feature. And I said, you know what? This thing, if I'm feeling this way, there's a likelihood that the some other people are feeling this way. So they might smash Ben too. I don't know. So that's what I did. But I got this card in the mail. And it was from 2023 WWE Revolution. They have factions. Okay, so you've got, you know, I haven't looked through the whole checklist yet. But, you know, I imagine you got some NWO, um, you know, uh, factions that are on this uh, list. And I, I can't, pe- I, I'd imagine DX is on there. And there's probably a bunch of other ones. I haven't really looked. But the one I needed because of my collection. I needed the bloodline and galactic form. Okay, so you got the in the the, the bloodline card, got Jimmy and Jay, Solo, my man Roman, Paul Heyman on it. And it's galactic parallel, which God, I just I I love the galactic. I mean, it is hard to find a parallel that is more aesthetically pleasing. The bloodline has just been the story of all stories in professional wrestling. Anyone paying attention to that, but to have that, and now we've got the civil war coming up and money in the bank, and we've got the dissension and the Usos for Solo and Roman and all this stuff. There's, it's been the story of all stories, but to get them all captured on one card with my favorite parallel, the Galactic, in place. The car is money. So I am so fired up about that. Fired up about wrestling cards always. There's so much energy and passion in that community. And I will say this. I've just been looking at some... I've been trying to be good. I've been trying not to spend money like a madman because I'm trying to save up for the national. God, I still hit the watch button on so many things. And I look at the auctions and how they end. And I'm just like, damn... If you are in it for the long run right now is a really, really good time to be a collector in general, but focusing in on wrestling cards, it's there's some amazing rare and scarce cards going for prices right now that um, I think are really good. So shout out to my contingent of wrestling card collectors who listen to the Stacking Slabs podcast. I uh, do appreciate you. And speaking of the national... We're keeping that drum beat going. We're just keeping it going and going and going and going. And we just want to talk about that event. Um, and I think there's, uh, I don't know if it is the fact that it's in Rosemont. And it is Rosemont. It's adjacent to Chicago. We can call it Chicago. We can do whatever we want. But it's Rosemont. Rosemont. I don't know if it's the location. I don't know if it's just a lot of the BS from a year or two years ago are gone, but it just seems like from the collector perspective, there's more conversations early. There's more excitement and energy. And I think that's a really good thing. It could be the location. I mean, I knew I wasn't going to AC last year. I knew there were some other people, but 
the location and it just being such a central point. And I think it's a great time to get everyone together to have conversations, to buy sports cards. But the, the, the momentum here, I'm a momentum guy. There just feels like so much energy going into that show. I know for me, I'm pre- preparing. I talked about that last week. And I'll be sharing more just on my plans on how I'm doing that, what I'm learning, how I'm going about it. But I just feel really good. I'm, I'm, we're, we're getting to that month out, month out mark, which is crazy. But I'm just really excited. So hopefully you're all going. Hopefully you're getting prepared and excited about that. What I'm really excited about is just some of these conversations that I'm having on this show. So shout out my man, Austin Carlson Cards. So much good energy and feedback from that conversation. Um, And that's what we like to do over here. We just like to talk and share stories and learn. We were talking about collector stories and just the importance of those Austin's facilitating those on his new show. I do that over here at Stacking Slabs. I don't think you can have enough uh, curation of people's ideas, interests, passions, collecting styles um, in story format. Stories are what makes this whole thing go round. And the more we learn from others, the more inspired we get. And there's a big difference between being influenced and being inspired. And I've talked about that a little bit. I don't want to go down deep in the weeds, but what we're trying to do is inspire the collecting community to get motivated and excited about those areas that people are super passionate about that get you out of bed in the morning and get you involved and stuck in sports cards and have it be an escape. And so there'll be more conversations like that. I'm sure Austin will have uh, more time on this show, but just want to thank everyone for the warm, the warm feedback on that. I've got a new character I'm unlocking on the podcast uh, this Friday. My man Sports Card Pete on Vintage Collector. He posted something on his story this past week about a pro- his process on just letting go of cards and what he's buying and his rules. And I thought it was super interesting. And so I want to have him on, talk about vintage, talk about his cards a little bit and his collecting style. So really pumped for that one. So if you're a listener to this show, you're going to want to stay tuned for Friday. And I want to get back into kind of the bulk of this conversation here today and talk about collector stories. I think when you talk stories and you talk narrative and talk a little bit about what people are doing, their experiences, you're going to run into um, struggles, the collector struggle and roadblocks. And I think the more that we can learn from other people's uh, mishaps, mistakes, obstacles, I think that's just really good. Being vulnerable a little bit, sharing times of struggle, sharing times where things didn't go the way we want to. My outlook on just the struggles of you know collecting sports cards sometimes and what we run into, I look at it similarly from just the way I view um, business. And I don't do this all the time because I like to separate the two worlds. I like to separate my business, my professional life from collecting sports cards. However, like I've said um, before, I think there are, we all have unique professional skills that we are literally leveraging every day in our professional life. And we'd be silly not to see if some of those skills that we have can be applied to the hobby. I think that's part of, there's some crossover there. So I think in terms of stories, being a marketer, I'm constantly evaluating 
storytelling, constantly evaluating current state of things. And for me, I always view in the business lens that there's undeniable forces that exist no matter what you do, and there's nothing you can do about it. From work, right? I work in tech, I work in startups, and you know the VC world or venture capitalists aren't necessarily shelling out capital that, at the rate that they did before, and that's likely based on current economic conditions. And there's a trickle-down effect with that. And, the trickle down of money impacts the way people spend. It ta- impacts the way people hire. It impacts um, growth. Um, and no matter what, if that nozzle is turned off a little bit, there's going to be an aftermath and repercussions. And no matter what, in my role, in whatever business I'm working on or whatever I'm doing, when that happens, because certain influential players decide to hold tight on certain things based on economic conditions, there's nothing I can do about it. So my position is control the controllables. Don't worry about things you can't adapt and find ways to make things happen the way that they need to happen in maybe a little bit different of a way. When I think about this from a cards perspective, we are still in the aftermath of probably the most, I'm not going to say probably, I'm going to say the most parabolic time in our hobby's history. There's nothing that we can do to change what happened in 2021 and the repercussions in terms of pricing, um, buying, and facilitating deals, navigating that. We can't change those conditions. It's already in place. And no matter what we do as collectors, we have to figure out a way to adapt and navigate around it. And I think about collecting a little bit, and I'm not a golfer, but it, it kind of, I think about this a lot. It reminds me of golf, where golf is a solo sport where your skills and experiences help you achieve you know, better results. The more time you put in, the more time you'll learn and likely better score um, or have a good experience that you're going to have. Um, no matter how long you've been doing it, there are things as a golfer that you literally can't control when you go out on the course, right? There's the weather, there's the course conditions. And so you as the golfer have to figure out ways to adapt around those undeniable things that are happening in order to try to get the score that you want to when you go out and have a round of golf. While it might not be, it, it, while it might be more of, I think, my vantage point on collecting cards is, and I, I could gain a lot of disagreement on this, but I think like the hobby from a, it, it's, it's kind of a solo sport. And I know that might run contradictory to a lot of things I say about community building relationships, but I think it at least, I think we rely on others for information, but at the end of the day, a majority of us are trying to build sick collections for ourselves. So when when it comes down to the nut cutting time, brass tacks, like we're going to do whatever we can in order to get the cards that help benefit us and make us as happy as possible, right? And but this is a community. Since this is a community, we all face similar challenges. I thought it would be good to source the community. And the question that I asked was what's the biggest 
problem that you face as a collector right now. And I want to talk a little bit about the process that I went through, then share the results, and then talk a little bit about solution. So the thought process here was source as many collectors as possible and try to find themes and share those themes out. So what I did was what I typically do. I put that question on my Instagram story. I waited 24 hours and posted all the responses on my Instagram that people shared. Also, I gathered replies to each of those responses that I shared. So I've got responses, I've got replies in my DMs to responses. And so that's a lot of information. So what I do then is I synthesize the data. And that includes those one-to-one replies and responses I get. And when I synthesize the data, I select themes that are representative of the master set of data. And then what we're doing here is having, I'm playing them back to you. So it's a little bit of a um, process, but the goal of all of this is to share items that are on the minds of collectors right now, and then try to think about ways as collectors, we can collectively tackle those challenges. So there were, I selected, I'm pulling it up now, I selected four top issues. So from the collecting community, there were four top issues. There were a lot of different issues, a lot of different responses. But when you get all of this data, then you you have to kind of group them. You create categories and you put a bunch of responses in categories. And there's an other section and there's outliers. Um, We're not going to talk about that for the sake of time, but I'm going to talk about kind of these four areas. So area one, finding grails. Collectors are challenged and struggling with finding their personal grails for their collection. And I'm going to call the four themes out, then we're going to dive into them individually. So we've got finding grails. Number two, fees. We've got the extra cost of doing business that we face in the hobby that you, the collector, views as a challenge. Number three, patience and discipline. Patience and discipline is uh, maybe it's introspective. It's the patience and discipline we have as a collector and how do we make sure that we have them when we are going through the journey of collecting sports cards. And finally, we have my favorite because there was a ton of this and it is delusional sellers. A lot of people talking about delusional sellers. So it's prices listed well over reasonable comps and unwilling to negotiate based on that. And it's also the availability of higher-end cards worth going after, uh, or the availability of higher-end cards worth worth going after and reasonably, reasonably priced are very low. So let's start first and talk about finding grails. So I think in finding grails, I believe this would be one on the list, uh, regardless of period of time, era, or economic conditions that we were um, trying to overcome. The complete nature of the world grail indicates a challenge ahead to me. I think we, 
need challenges in the hobby in order to keep us interested and keep us entertained. So if finding grails were easy, I'm not sure that our hobby would be as interesting. And I want to be clear. I'm not talking about the mainstream hobby grail. And this is one of the things that drives me crazy about the hobby is we say, oh, this card is a grail. But collectors like you listening to this show couldn't give a shit about a card because you don't care about it for your collection. But the mainstream says we have these cards and they exist and they are grails to the hobby. And so what that does, to me, it sends the wrong message. Because then if you're a new entry and a participant to the hobby and you're trying to navigate and figure this shit out, you hear someone on a mainstream platform call a card a grail and then all of a sudden you think that should be your goal of collecting cards is go out and get the card that the rest of the people call grails. That seems silly to me and actually seems super boring. And the mainstream grails, this is where the mainstream grails go sideways here. We set, we hype them up and we say, these are the grails of the hobby. These are the, the cards of cards, but they're the same damn cards that are resold over and 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 over again on different platforms. And they're made most, sometimes they're bought on one platform and then they're sold on another platform. Hot potato. How is a card a grail? If it's resold over and over on platforms, I don't think that that doesn't scream grail to me. Individual grails, much harder to obtain because they're the cards we as individual collectors who have a mind in our free thinking and do this damn thing because we love sports cards and don't give a shit about the mainstream. These are the cards that are hard to get and they're cards that you would kill for, but maybe a majority of other people don't give a shit about. It's like this for everyone. And so finding grails and our own personal grails, I think no matter what, is always going to be a challenge we face. And as collectors, that's what gets us hooked and that's what gets us excited. So my solution for anyone who's struggling finding a grail, personal grail, don't be scared to tell other people. I think there's this, this, there's this layer in the hobby, this mindset of the hobby that's limiting. And I think my, the way I've come about this, and maybe it's unique because I have a podcast about collecting sports cards that people listen to, I share. I say, this is what I want. This is what I collect. And what happens? Other people understand that and other people go to shows. And if they see a card, then they say, you know what? That's a card I think is, would fit in Brett's collection. And that is something that he's told me he wants. And then I have access to that. By not sharing the cards that you are looking for, you're, it's a limited mindset. And so you're just like playing, you're, you're out there doing it yourself. And that's where I think that the more you can share information about what you want, the better chances that you might have at collecting those or getting those cards. Fees eBay fees, consignment fees. Everyone is trying to take money off of us all of the time. I think in some cases, the fees are completely acceptable, consignment being one of them. I pay to have somebody else sell my cards 
because of all the steps and the process that I don't have time nor don't want to deal with. So that's where, to me, a consigner comes in. It's like, yeah, you can take my money because I know the amount of work you're doing and I'm paying for that. Sometimes platforms are just taking our money and taking our fees or taking our money and charging us fees because that's the only thing we've got where I'm not, I'm like everyone else. I'm checking eBay 20 times a day. It's hardwired in my brain, but I think a solution to that is finding an opportunity to take more of a one-on-one approach, sliding into the DMs, trying to get deals done one-to-one. The more I've gotten into that mindset of reaching out to people when I see cards that I like, seeing if they're for sale, building that relationship, when you make those big deals, there are no fees and fees involved. And that's the best part. So my solution or recommendation would be try to build relationships with people who collect the same stuff as you. You're always, we're always going to face these challenges with fees. It's undeniable, but the more we can create those relationships and buy cards from other people that we know and trust, the less we're going to have to deal with it. Patience and discipline is a challenge, right? I'm trying to be patient right now. I'm trying to be disciplined as I prepare for the national. I don't want to spend money that I'm saving right now. And it's really hard because all these things are in your face constantly over and over. But I think having structure, creating a list, creating a process, the more you do that, the better off you'll be because you're being distracted and entertained by other things in the hobby outside of just buying cards all the time. Solutions to this could be enjoy, enjoy, spend time with the cards that you already have. There are so many other things within the hobby that there are to enjoy. You just got to take the time to do it. And I think finally, probably one of the most challenging challenges we face right now is delusional sellers. Remember, we are going through the most parabolic time in the hobby's history. A lot of people are jammed up right now. They bought cards at the top. And they're not willing to be flexible on those cards. I think, I think about buy, like buying and selling a home. I've just gone through this. There are things that happen and pop up in that process that you can't always control. And I think we waste a lot of time trying to get people to change their mind or see it on our side. Here's the deal. And I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here. But sellers can sell their cards or try to sell their cards for whatever they want. And we can't change those. We can't change their minds. We can't. And comps don't always tell the the whole story. And market conditions don't all tell the story. So my advice always is, if you can't get a seller to move off something and it's super rare and you might not ever see it again, maybe that's your own chance. And that the seller has a little bit more leverage than you anticipate. But if it's a card that there's a chance that it has more copies and you might have better access to, and it pops up and you think the seller's trying to get you over your skis right now, and you don't want to pay those prices, just wait, be patient. Like be patient. This hobby is forever, right? We're, we're, we're in it for a long time. So sometimes you just got to move on. And that's a superpower. Having the ability to say, you know what? I know the seller might be delusional right now. I'm not paying this. Just move on. You just got to put it, compartmentalize it all, put it aside and go move on. And I know that sucks to hear because sometimes there's a card you really want, but you can't change someone else's mind. So 
sitting there trying to get them to change their mind, throwing data at them, all the stuff like sometimes it doesn't work. So just move on. Um, and I know that's not like a great answer, but it's better than being pissed off and spending a bunch of cycles and trying to get someone to change their mind when they're not. We're always going to face challenges as collectors. I think that's part of it. And it's exciting and it's fun because I don't know, I like to solve problems and I view overcoming challenges in the hobby as a part of that. But we, you got to learn to adapt and you always got to learn to just do what makes you happy in this thing. That's the best part about it. It's like, this is the escape of all escapes. There's going to be a lot of deal making done here in a month in Chicago, live and in person. We're all getting prepared for that. Hopefully you are too right now. And thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to listen to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I do appreciate that. We are going to be having another conversation on Friday, Sports Card Pete. Do not miss this episode. Take care of yourself. Take care of others, Rania. We'll be back soon. Peace.